We're back with Nehran America. You know, a lot of times in Nehran America, I want to show the country and the people that live in it from both sides. And uh, I want to do a segment that I, I bring people I call local heroes. And they're people doing things in their neighborhoods and they're doing their work. And I was reading this book called Today's Inspired Leaders by Jacqueline Ruiz. And she has a collection of, of great leaders in the book. People that are, are problem solvers. People that are, are providing services and helping people. And I, I always like to say that Latinos are the solution, they're never the problem. And in this, Mauricio Garcia stood out to me, uh, a financier, an amazing man. He grew up in uh, Mexico and America. He's done a lot of cross-border work, and he's one of those people that I see are unsung heroes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nehran America, Mauricio Garcia. Hi, Rick. Thank you so much for the for the opportunity. Thank you for the invitation, and uh, just excited uh, oh. to be able to share. That's great. Well, you know, one one thing about your story, what I really loved is you actually had the world of coming from Mexico, coming to America, coming back to Mexico, and then now reaching out, providing financial services and growth for Mexicans on and Americans on both sides of the border. It's an amazing story. Now. In your story, you talked about your early life and that you grew up pretty in a, a pretty hard environment. Can you tell me a little something about that? Yeah, when when uh, we first came to the United States in 1989, obviously my, my parents were working two jobs and uh, just to make ends meet. You know, we uh, were new new kids in, in school, and obviously I, I felt the difference. Even though I was only just uh, years old, I felt uh, the looks because, uh, you know, we didn't have the best clothes or, or the best shoes that we you know, we, we came with what we had. So the, so and, the, uh, the fashion patrol did yeah. not like you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. exactly. Huh. You know, obviously um, that kind of uh, pushed me to, to look for kids that uh, were like me, you know, or um, uh, other kids that were also coming from various, you know, places in Mexico. But uh, like I tell in my story, uh, just a few years later, I, I was obviously being influenced uh uh, th- th- that group was kind of being influenced by other uh, kids that were already in high school. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, to make a long story short, it basically ended up, uh, you know, joining the gang, yes. you know, before yeah. I, I moved to Mexico uh, at the age of 14, just from eight, from age eight to 14. And then that's, that's where things really uh, turned around for me. Um, Cause I learned that environments really absorbs you and, and changes you. Sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, uh, you know, peer pressure, you can have peer pressure to, to join a gang or peer pressure to join a good college. I mean, peer pressure is a, a force for good or bad. Um, and I don't think people realize it. Some now, this was a gang in Chicago. It's actually in Wisconsin. So, but uh, yeah, okay. so uh, one of the you might gangs are you might lose a little street Chicago. street cred saying Wisconsin because there's a lot of lutefisk and dairy products from Wisconsin. I, and you don't think gangs, but. Uh, I know they have some pretty tough neighborhoods in Wisconsin, as, as in all places. So you went from the the gang, and then all of a sudden you're you're back in Mexico. I mean, that's an interesting thing you talk about in the book. It, it, in Mexico, you weren't different. In America, they're calling you a wetback, go back to Mexico, all these horrible things. But in Mexico, yeah. you're a Mexican, and so that says something about. You know, it's uh, being with people that what, that you know that respect you, and what a difference in your your experience was. It was totally different world. I I felt uh, home. Um, obviously, um, it was it was it was probably I still say is the force the, the the best four years of my life because mm-hmm. of the ambience, because of of the environment. 
And it really made me change in uh, mentally. It made me uh, look at life in a very different way. Because, you know, I, I was fortunate also to, 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 to be able to go to an okay school. You know, I worked mm-hmm. uh, the little that I worked here in, in the States to um, raise a little bit of money was enabled me to be able to pay uh, for, you know, a okay school. And everybody there was talking about, you know, being able to graduate and being able to become, you know, like many other parents, doctors, attorneys and engineers and all these different things. And for them, it was not cool to be smoking pot. To them, it was not cool to be doing any drugs and kind of stuff like that. We were still rebels. We still, you know, smoke here, there, maybe maybe uh, a drink, but mm-hmm. nothing like, like the, 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 uh, Gang the environment yeah. I was kind of growing up in. So you go from there and then all, all of a sudden you, 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 you find that finance – is is your way out of out of it all? Um, you, Lucky, t- mm-hmm. yeah, I was blessed. I was uh, when I came back to the U.S. in uh, 1998 after graduating high school. I started working. I actually got a temp job at Motorola, assembling cell phone batteries. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how how I was able to see it. Maybe it was because of the conversations and the way of thinking that I adopted in Mexico. But I. I, I, after six months, I saw that my check was the same every single, you know, uh, uh, payday. And I just didn't know. I mean, it was not enough to, you know, pay my rent and do all these different things that I had to do uh, being independent because I was out of home already. I was out in my own. And um, luckily, I found a Colombian woman. I, I will forever remember her name and forever be grateful to her because she introduced me to the world of finance mm-hmm. and he said you could you could basically become entrepreneurship in this in this thing and um i started i got my license in 1999 and mm-hmm. never looked back i've been able to stay independent uh, for 22 years now wow. and and from that from that growth of that first business in the financial world now obviously we are in 12 different cities in mexico we have uh, agents and advisors over there and as well as in the u.s but, but but that has enabled me to explore other uh, um, start other businesses that go from software development uh, to applications that now provide chefs and cooks and a lot of the a lot of these companies that are not hurting because of the COVID because all the restaurants have been locked down mm-hmm. we're able to connect these chefs with people that um, that never maybe thought about bringing private chefs to home but now they can do it now it's affordable to them and so you know we've been able to expand into other areas and, and build other businesses. So, so you're, but it's all because yeah. we were able to find, you know, we, we took advantage of the biggest benefit in this country, which is the free enterprise. We mm-hmm. didn't settle for a job. Yeah. Uh, Latinos don't. I think people don't realize is like, say, Mexico, more engineers graduate from Mexico than they do Germany. Mm-hmm. They don't realize the amount of talented and the workforce, all that stuff. And, you know, and with Latinos, you talk about in your, in your, in the book that, you have to find a balance in your life. And with Latinos, our balance tends to be our family. We need family and we need business. Those are our two things. How are you able to balance both? No, I, I, could, I couldn't agree more. If I ever see a Latino that's in the streets and they're just asking for money, they're selling you a flower, they're selling you a balloon, they're selling you a tamal, they're selling you something. You know, mm-hmm. they, 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 they're just trying to make things by you know, finding ways to, to add value to, to generate an income. They're, just, they're not just sending their hand out. They're really going out there, uh, you know, grinding it and, and, and finding a way out. You found a great mentor in your life that challenged you. How are you a mentor to other people? Absolutely right. Um, I, I found some mentors in my life that have enabled me to expand my vision. Because it doesn't matter. What I've learned is that it doesn't matter really how smart you think you are. 
you cannot expand your own vision. The only way to expand your vision is either to find a mentor that has been, you know, uh, more experienced than you are, or maybe read some books and, and be able to expand your, your mind in, in that way. And one of the things I learned is that leadership is the most noble thing you can do. And leadership, I mean by, by, by being a do-it-first leader, by your actions speak so loud. If you are have a dream, if you want to do something, but you go out there and you take massive imperfect action, your children are watching you. Your, your, your wife, your spouse is watching you. Your community is watching you. Even when you don't think, somebody is always watching. And I think that um, the, the best way to lead is by, by going after your dreams, by taking massive imperfect action, even if you're afraid to do it. I mean, it's, it's just that. that. That is the mentality. That is the paradigm that I've been able to get with these mentors that have achieved great success in life. And they say, you don't, you, know, you, don't, you don't wait for a perfect time. You don't wait for the perfect plan. You basically have a plan, you go out, you take action because action will always give you the knowledge you need to go to the next level. Don't do it like many people do it, which is study all that you can until you feel like you have the perfect plan because that time will never arrive. So take massive aggressive action. Action will always give you the knowledge you need and not the other way around. I just want to thank you for your leadership, what you're doing. You're doing some incredible work in finance and you're one of the people I like to highlight. People that are the solution, not the problem. Thanks for coming on Nehair in America. Mauricio Garcia. So much for the opportunity. Thank you. Anytime. And get the book, Today's Inspired Leaders. Check it out. Stories of Impact, Community, and Legacy. Mauricio Garcia. You're listening to the Nehera in America podcast. The podcast that isn't afraid to tell it like it is to people who aren't afraid to hear like it is. You can listen to us on Revolver Podcasts or wherever you find your finer podcasts. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to Nahara in America. We've got a very special guest today. I can't even know how to describe her. She's everything. She's been a Project Runway. She's a model. She's she's a world traveler. I mean, she's she's an influencer. She's the kind of person that connects people together. She is the future of the world. She's Venezuelan. She speaks five languages, and she also speaks animal languages as well. So um, she's able to communicate with animals. She's amazing. What more can I say? This is Eglantina. Eglantina, how are you? Hola. Thank you, Rick. Hi. Well, I'm happy to be here with you. You know, your friends with, you know, Mario Lopez, you're friends with him. Um, you know, I've worked with Mario for a while. He's a great guy. You know a lot of the same people I know. And this is called the end of the day interview. It's, it's, it's sunset in New York, right? About this time. The sun is. The sun is already. Uh, <laughs> Past a little bit of past happy hour, you know. But uh, um, yeah, we can call it sunset happy hour. Time. Okay, this is the happy hour time. You know, your name Eglantina. How did you How did you get that name? You no, know, I think I was born under a lucky star for sure. And the love of my mother and my father and my ancestors they named me after my two beautiful and wonderful grandmothers. Mm-hmm. So Eglantina del Carmen. But Eglantina, to go back to your question, it's a French thing, L'Eglantine, and the English will call it Eglantines. And uh, for me, growing up in Venezuela and in the Amazon, you know, it was like, oh, you know, what a complicated name. So they will pronounce it Eglantina with an N in the middle, and I always make sure it was 
well pronounced with eglantina, so it went to gelatine, eglantine. It's well, also a very famous cabaret dancer mm-hmm. up in uh, Montmartre, where the Moulin Rouge is. And, uh, she had a troupe called the Mademoiselle Eglantine. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's a, it's a, it's like one of those. How would you, if you had to describe it in a sense, what will eglantine know? I would say elegant, elegant, unique, elegant, elegant unique. Elegant. Um, I, I, I like that, right? Good, good. Yeah, I mean, it's elegant, it's unique. It's 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 like your personality. It's like who you are. You're elegant, unique. I mean, you know, the or you've been a model for years, um, and I know I, we both share that. I, I came from a modeling background. It was the big and tall model um, for many years, uh, more of a bigger size. A lot of that was just overeating. I had it constantly, mostly carbo-loading and eating a lot of carbs to keep up that, that, that large figure. That was my thing. I don't know how it was with you. I'm sure you, you, were, you were in Zoolander. You were yeah. the inspiration for Zoolander. I, I was the inspiration for Zoolander. It was really hard being really... How, how did your modeling career start it? It started, it was in Milan. It was, uh, I was actually in a... Um, just it was a it was a food contest. It was like a pasta eating contest, all you can eat. I surprisingly won, and then I was approached by the great you know Milanese uh, modeling agency, uh, Gordo. It was um, and they brought me on, and I started just doing the runways, the large clothing. Um, I had an unfortunate accident with a speedo. It kind of cut my career a little bit short, but other than that, I kept working. And uh, and then I of course I segued to Nahar in America that show for a while and just keep doing it and that took off so that that was the end of my career. That took off. Well, that was it. That was it. From there to sky, the sky is the limit. Sky is the limit. You can do anything. And you have a show where you you know your your interview guests. So I was, now we got we got we're both interviewers. We're, we're so we can do a, a little trade off of interviewing each other. So it's great. And um, who's been one of your most fascinating interviews you've had so far? Wow. Um, you know what? It, it's it's great because I started my career. Yes, I you know my modeling career started in a very funny way that I'll tell you afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, definitely not as as fancy as yours. It was not in Milan, but it had something to do with the Italian brand. Oh, you know the luxurious. So, allora. But um, then I started. I, I I started working in MTV as uh, as a as a uh, host, and I had a daily show. But like I'd never worked in television in my life, and mm-hmm. that was you know just out of all curiosity, talking to people and getting just not like when working in MTV was such a big thing back there that you know everybody that came uh, along the way uh, of the show was like really high names or people that, you know, Bon Jovi and you kind of interview Johnny Cash and, mm-hmm. you know, like this uh, Barbara Streisand. And I was like, okay, I'm just like a little thing here that I've never talked to a camera before. But like, but, and English was not my first language. I grew up, again, I was raised in the jungle in the Amazon. Now, you know, I'm the fast learner and English has gotten um, a, a, an interest in me and I actually love it. But, um, well, you, well, I mean, first of all, and, and you speak five languages. So, you know, you're obviously you're able to pick up languages. And I, and I barely remember my name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, 
I don't think I think anyone hears your name. It's like, listen, my my last name's Nahara, which is it sounds like an Arabic war cry. I mean, it's like Nahara, and you know, it, my first name's Rick, which is the most blandest, boringest English name you ever heard. So I go from Rick to Nahara. So names are always an odd thing because they do kind of shape you. They do kind of, you know, how people hear you or think about you and stuff like that. And when, uh, you know, Elena told me about you. Were you ever at some point in your life that says, like, I don't like Sandra's. And, like, you know, no Carlos in my life. Like, you know, or, like, oh, like, like, names, they do, like, you kind of, like, try to not, not to judge a book by its cover, but names do have, like, a, like, some sort of balance. I don't know. It's like a natural reaction. But, but, but your name is, is... Yeah, no, I'm probably out of the just because of, like, looking at my name. It's like, no. imagine going on a blind date, which, like, you're going to meet Eddie Lantina. What would you imagine? An accent. Well, yeah, yeah, I would, I would, you know, have you had blind dates for some, so I want to meet, you want to meet Eglantina? But that's, the, that's my most powerful tool, you know, is the, the, the power of, of surprise. Mm-hmm. Having that card, it's, 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 it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful opportunity to, yeah. to surprise somebody. Well, it's you also an advantage. Yeah, you have an advantage. I mean, I think you have more than a few advantages. You speak multiple languages. You're, of course, beautiful um, inside and out. And I can say that because, uh, I, I, you know, I love your personality. I love all the, the stories you've had. I mean, you, you were raised in the Amazon. Um, your father, an explorer. Tell us a little something about him. Oh, my dad? Yeah. He is just a very passionate human being for nature and uh, for adventure. And I guess I, I would call it a little bit borderline edge uh, danger. Mm-hmm. So he's not like a, a, a guy who likes the city and who likes this kind of, of, of comfort of watching TV. He's a guy that is super curious about the connection that he has with nature and about our perspective and what it's our our purpose, I guess, in, in this world beyond just having a job or a career. Or... Mm-hmm. What do you want your future to be? You seem like a, I mean, I, I know your work and I, I know you make things happen. It's, it's, you know, it's amazing what you do. What's the thing you want to do in the future? What's there's, there's coming up that's been gnawing at you that you just want to change or, or get involved with or, or turn around or what's your next project? Did you... So, you know, I'm super excited I've been, like, having this conversation. So the England Friends, which is the show that I started during COVID, we're moving it, evolving it to um, a podcast of formats, and um, we're launching that soon. Mm-hmm. So I'm quite excited about that. Yeah, that's something that I'm doing and starting right now, the England Cena Zing show, and I would love to have you on uh, I would love to come on. I'm embarking in an unknown, uh, uh, you know, unknown waters. If somebody can give me a good advice, it's you. Well, I definitely come on your show anytime. Um, You're an incredible person. I just want to say thank you, Aglatina. Come on on, Naharan America. You are, I think, the big part of the solution in the world of communication, of talking to people, of reaching back, helping all the, the, the people with all of what you're doing at the UN, everything else. I have nothing but praise for you, and it is an honor to bring on Hair in America. Thank you. No, thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Gracias. Gracias. You're listening to the Nahara in America podcast. 
the podcast that isn't afraid to tell it like it is to people who aren't afraid to hear like it is. You can listen to us on Revolver Podcasts or wherever you find your finer podcasts. Join us next week for more on Aaron America.